0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Herring. Praise God. Aren't you glad you're pastored by the best pastor in Alaska? I didn't mean to run you off, Brother Herring. Yeah, I, I, I can handle anything. Amen. Does anybody love the Word of God? I know if you attend church here, you love the Word of God. Amen. Um. Brother Heron talked to me uh, several days ago about being here, and, uh, and so I made it a matter of prayer, and I do feel like I've got a couple of things to say today, and uh, you just let me know, Pastor, when you're uh, ready for me to be done. It's 1137, and I know that we're going to eat after this, and that is the will of God. Good to have Brother uh, farmer with us, Amen. He is, he is causing all kinds of havoc up north. He's given the devil a headache up there, and so I love it. I love it. Praise God. <clears throat> we we've started something in January uh, that the Lord uh, asked me to um, do, and I was hesitant to do it, but one Sunday I got up and I said for the next five days. I want us to meet at Brother Pollard's hangar at 5.30 in the morning. That had to be God for me to get up and go pray at 5.30. And I said, we're going to meet for five days and have five days of intercession. And so uh, it was good. It was great. And uh, five days turned into 50 days. And um, I don't know if it's going to end. Yeah, God's been doing some, some incredible, incredible things. Uh, so I want to give you, um, I've got five things that um, we need to incorporate in our daily prayer. Now, I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. Um, they're all fairly short, but I wanted to flesh some of these out. And uh, you kind of confirmed a couple things, Brother Herring, when you said, if my people, which are called by my name, if is a pretty important thing. Jesus said, not if you pray; he said when you pray. First Thessalonians: Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Philippians 4: Prayer and supplication. First John 5: And 14. If we ask anything according to his will. Mark 11: And 24. When you pray. Jeremiah 29: And 12. And pray unto me, and hearken, and I'll hearken unto you. Romans 12 and 12, continuing instant in prayer. Psalms 18, I called upon the Lord. James 5 and 16, pray one for another. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Any righteous men here? Luke 6, pray for them which despitefully use you. Now that's a that's a tough one. It'll take that's a mini-series. I'll leave that one alone. But there's five things that, uh, and, and these were shared with me. And, of course, I've added and taken things away, but Brother Cunningham uh, shared a couple of these things with me and uh, sent me um, this. He feels like God really has asked him to spread these five points into the body of Christ. And so I do, uh, uh, obviously I've added some stuff for our church, but um, this originated with him. But it's changed. My, it's changed my prayer, it's changed my life, and I think it's impacted our church. So there's five things. Uh, number one is, in our prayer, we've got to understand um, how to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 6 and 20, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And so we've started incorporating our prayer, Lord, let my life bring you glory. Let my life bring you glory. I I think we all have goals, but in every one of our goals as men, the underlying foundation of everything we do has got to be bringing glory to the Lord. I want God to get glory in everything I do, everything I say, how I act, how I interact, how I live, how I, here's a tough one, how I react. We plan our actions, but our reactions. Now, when I react to things, is God getting glory. How I live, who I associate with, who I walk with, who I talk with, how I spend my time, my talent, and my treasure. What I believe, what I stand for, how I treat others, the sacrifices I make, the choices I make, everything I am, everything I do, everything I accomplish or don't. I want God to get glory. There's three ways, and I'm I'm just going to pass through this one pretty quick. Three ways in which we can glorify God. We glorify God in our faith. We don't even pray unless we believe God's going to answer, right? So I can go through a whole litany of things there. Uh, We glorify God by our worship. Your life ought to bring God glory. Not just in church on Saturday men's meeting Sunday morning. Tomorrow on the job when somebody ticks me off. All right, good. Yeah. We glorify God in our everyday life, our actions, reactions, our obedience. Serving others, our giftings, our talents. Here's, here's, here's a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves about whether our lives bring God to glory or not. Now, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not trying to be mean, but the, these sometimes are a little bit difficult to ask. So here's here's some questions I had to ask myself when I was trying to figure out if my life brought God glory. Am I disappointed that I don't get more recognition for what I do? When I go to church, is it for fellowship? When I go to church, is it to make business contacts? Do I justify missing a lot of church for work or play? Do I regularly make time for others or do I see my own interests as more important? Do I honor God with my tithes and my offerings? Do I get frustrated when God doesn't give me what I ask for? Now, what am I asking? I'm asking... Does my life bring God glory? Everything we do, men, has got to bring glory to the Lord. And you know, not just the spiritual stuff. In the natural. First Colossians, or Colossians 1 and 18, for He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, He, all things, say that with me, all things, He might have the preeminence. Amen. Sometimes we try to separate our spiritual life from our natural life. We compartmentalize the two. We divvy up our time and say, okay, God, we'll give you this, but this is ours. In all things. In all things. When I'm on the job, when I'm in the woods, when I'm at church, when I'm quarreling with my spouse, in all things I've got to give God glory. Every decision. Here's the second one, reflection. I'm going to read something from a different uh, translation, which I usually don't do, but it just kind of brings a different uh, perspective. James 1, 23. Just listen real closely. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but. Letting The word of God, go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Now listen to this, verse 24. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. Ouch. Three different opinions to consider when we attempt to reflect. We've got to look at how God sees us. We've got to look at how we see ourselves, and we've got to look at how others see us. How does God see me? How do I see myself? How do others see me? A good spiritual mirror is as important as anything else in our toolbox. Don't ask God to show you a clear picture of yourself unless you really want to see. When we look in that spiritual mirror, it's really revealing. So we've been praying this, God, let me see myself as you see me. God, sometimes uh, I, I have to question some things that he shows me. Are you sure that's me you're talking to? He sees me a whole lot different than you see me. He sees me different than I see me. God doesn't only see us as we are now, but he sees us as we could be. As we were designed to be. Now, whatever your pastor preaches and his philosophy is right. And if I say anything that's different, I'm wrong and he's right. I believe that every child of God has a call in their life. If you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is a ministering spirit, and you are called to minister in some type or form or fashion. Not everybody's called to preach, but everybody's called. Okay? So the giftings that He put in us, God sees us with those in mind. So am I fulfilling what God's called me to do? What mirror am I looking into? The word mirror or the world mirror? Sometimes we define ourselves by our own failures. We define ourselves by our imperfections, our mishaps, our mistakes, and everybody in the room has got them, okay? Everybody has them. And sometimes we get caught into this trap of defining ourselves by the play of, of, of a mistake I made 20 years ago. And so everything that we do, we filter it through that perspective. That's our reflection of ourselves. And unfortunately, sometimes our brothers or our sisters do that too. Well, they made a mistake 20 years ago. Well, who hasn't? But when God sees us, first of all, He forgets everything that we've ever for, uh, repented over. And so he doesn't even see that stuff. And we hold ourselves back when we look at our own reflection or maybe even someone else. I, how does God see me? And so even in prayer this morning, I said, God, let me see me how you see me. That's the good, that's the bad, that's the ugly. All of it, God, I want to see me according to how you see me. I I, I deal with a lot of uh, uh, saints and 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 men that they can't get past a failure and they can't get past it, some guilt or some shame or something they did a long time ago. you got to look in the mirror that God is holding up. The word reveals that I'm forgiven. I hope this is helping somebody. The word reveals that I've been redeemed. The word reveals that I have been made new. I I want you to hear this. God sees, let's look at how God sees us. He sees me, first of all, as acceptable. God sees me as acceptable. The Amplified says it this way Acts 10 and 35. The person who fears God and does what is right by seeking Him is acceptable welcome to him if you think about the perfect god who's never made a mistake who can't even think he 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 has no error in his ways and to him i'm acceptable i got a feeling that some of the men in our congregations we've got these hang-ups and we've got these hurts and we've got these things and we can't uh forgive ourselves when when we need to look at sometimes how god sees us and god sees me as acceptable. God sees me as lovable. Isaiah 54 and 10. The mountains and the hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. So says the Lord who loves you. God sees me as forgivable. Now some of your friends may not, your spouse may not, your whatever may not, but God who really only his opinion should matter. He sees me as forgivable. Isaiah 43 and 24. I am the God who forgives your sins. How about this? God sees me as valuable. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're valuable to God. Isaiah 43 and 4, you're precious to me. He sees me as capable. 2 Corinthians 3, the capacity that we have comes from God. It is he who made us capable of serving. And so we're praying every day and it's changing our lives. I'm telling you, it's changing us. God, help me see the way you see. me. Help me see others the way you see them. Don't let me see the flaws. I'm cynical by nature. I'll just be honest with you. I am cynical by nature. But I've been asking God, let me see my brothers. Let me see the men. Let me see people, oh God, like you see them. Let me see the giftings that you put in them, not their flaws. Anybody can see somebody's flaws. So every time we're praying, we're praying, God, let me see what I'm doing wrong in your sight. Let me see what I'm doing right in your sight. And both are important. Amen. And here's another one that I want to really spend a couple of minutes on. Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life. Power of the tongue. Another version says it this way words kill, words give life. They're either, this is a translation of that scripture, they're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. Now, I don't know a lot of the men in this room, I know a few. But the reality is this, even the ones that we think we know, we, don't, we, we, we really don't know what they're going through. The people that we fellowship with, the people we worship with, the people that we pastor, the people we, 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 we really don't know what everybody's going through. We, we don't know what everybody's facing. The men that are in this room, you're facing things that you've not shared with anybody. Mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, all down the list. We don't know your fears, your pain, the battles you're fighting. We all come to church and pretty much put on, you know, a good face. But there's many times every day that we're presented with an opportunity to heal or to hurt. I'm preaching to myself. You guys are just allowed to listen in, okay? Every day I'm presented the opportunity to curse or to bless. To heal or to hurt. To approve or to oppose. The words I choose. I have to spend a lot of time in prayer on this part because it, 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 it's hit, it hits home with me. The words that I choose every day, they're either life or death. The Bible says that. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Words are the most powerful words. Force on earth when it comes to the human realm. Now, I'm not talking about the supernatural. I'm not talking about the spiritual. I'm talking about on the natural, human-controlled element, words are the most powerful force on earth. And we can use those words however we choose. Constructively, as words of encouragement, or destructively, words of despair, dejection, discouragement. Words have the power help her to heal. Hurt, hinder, harm, humiliate, go on down the list. The King James Version says life and death are in the tongue. I don't know of anybody wiser that's ever lived, but Solomon. And then that version that I read, he said our words kill or give life. They're either poison or fruit. And then the end of that is, I make the choice. I make the choice. I remember when we were kids on the playground, you know, somebody would say stuff, and we would retaliate by saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words are never going to hurt me. That's a lie. Matter of fact, I would say everybody in this room struggles with something that somebody said to you at some point in your life. I think sometimes, Pastor Heron, it would be easier or um, if I had the choice, I I would rather choose a physical beating. I would rather choose getting beat with a stick or a club than some of those words. You know, a physical wound is going to heal. Citra Farmer's had a terrible fall. She's in the hospital. They can't even operate until the swelling goes down. Both of her uh, bones below her knee are broken. And, and, but that's going to heal. But there could be a word that is said that will wound me for 20, 30, 40 years. The power is in the tongue power to bless or to curse is in the tongue. Be, it'd be easier to take a beating with a club than, than to hear some destructive words. You know, I, in, in pastoring, we, we deal with people that have emotional hang-ups and emotional hurts and stuff that they've been carrying around. I had somebody in the office just in the last several days, and, and they started, it, it was a man, broke down, started crying. About something his father said to him when he was five years old. Five years old. Now that is real. Wrong words can steal joy, wrong words can kill hope, wrong words can kill happiness, they can destroy self-esteem. They can wipe out influence. They can kill love. They can spoil a happy gathering. Everybody's had one of those holidays. <laughs> the wrong person said the wrong thing at the wrong time and it all blew up and every wrong words can break a marriage. A covenant that we took before God can be broken with words. They can divide a family. They can ruin a Friendship, wrong words, can pretty much destroy anything that is good or important in our life, man. Listen to this. Roy Allen Williams, North Carolina, basketball coach, said this. This is amazing. Words start wars and end them. They create love and choke it. They bring us to laughter, joy, and tears. Words cause men and women to willingly risk their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor. Our world as we know it revolves on the power of words. It's a fact the words of Adolf Hitler caused millions to lose their life. I was speaking this to our church the other night, and Brother Ayers, I think, sent me a text. He said there was 20 million to 40 million lives that were lost. You know how that would all started? By the words of a crazy man. Changed our entire world. What what could he have done? That same influence. I just happen to believe that God's going to raise somebody up in the end time that is going to have the same influence, but they're going to speak life. Why not you? Why not you be the one in this church or in this community? Hallelujah. William Arthur Ward, a noted author and speaker, told his son five things. He said, never forget these five things. Raised voices lower respect. Hot tempers cool friendships. Loose tongues stretch truth. Swelled heads shrink influence and sharp words dull respect. Raised voices lower respect. Hot tempers cool friendships. Loose tongues stretch truth. Swelled heads shrink influence, and sharp words, dull, respect. It's amazing when you think about the real damage that can be done with our words. The wise men said, I'm going to, you've got the choice every day to, to serve somebody, poison or fruit. We make the choice every time we open our mouths. And so when we're praying every morning we're saying God let there be blessing in my tongue let there be edification in my voice oh god death and life are in the power of the tongue words for in the form of a false testimony have you know we're we're in a place now where technology is releasing people that have been falsely accused and imprisoned Mr. Moss, spent eight, he was 80 years old. He spent 40 years in prison, convicted by the words of one dishonest witness. You know, if you really want to dig this out, this is one of the things that God hates. God hates it. God hates it. It's the number one job description of the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. Listen, let the devil do his job. He doesn't need any more employees. Hallelujah. Promotions, jobs, fortunes, they've all been lost because of words. The ancient proverb says: never underestimate the power of words, for they can be more than le- they can be more lethal than a bullet or more healing than a mother's love. Now, this is amazing to me. It's a quote from the Washington Post, of all things. I hate to even say this in the auditorium. But somebody had to read the Bible. The harmful and hurtful power of words is not limited to opposing governments. Husbands and wives slice. This is with the Washington Post. Husbands and wives slice and dice one another with their tongue, and bring the stench of death to their marriage. Venomous words spewed by a frustrated parent leave their marks in the hearts of a child for years to come. God forgive me as a dad. Frustrated kids who don't know their way can scream, I hate you, and scream and sink their parents' heart. Choosing our words is what Solomon said. You've got the power to kill or you've got the power to give life. It's our choice. Proverbs 10 and 11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. He contrasts the two. The righteous and the wicked. How, how, How do I determine which category I fall into? Solomon says it this way, the wicked have mouths that are full of violence and words that hurt people. But he said the righteous are a fountain of life to those around them. When people leave your company, are they edified or are they discouraged? Words of encouragement are so powerful. They're so enabling. Words of encouragement. John Maxwell said this, a word of encouragement from a teacher to a child can change a life. A word of encouragement from a spouse can save a marriage. A word of encouragement from a leader. Aren't you glad for a pastor that gets into the pulpit and preaches what thus saith the word of the Lord? The word of encouragement from a leader can inspire a person to his or her. potential. Remember, God in Genesis said, "Let there be," and there was. And then, a few verses later, it says that we were made in His image. There's a power in our words. There's power. He spoke the worlds into existence. What what have we spoken into existence? I hear my wife praying all the time. She says, "Lord, put a watchman." a watchman at my mouth. God, every word I say, let it be encouraging. Don't let me serve poison to a brother. Don't let me serve poison, God, but let me serve positive words. What's wrong with edifying somebody? Anybody can see what's wrong with somebody. But it just takes somebody with a little bit of Leadership or a little bit of sensitivity to find the giftings. Everybody in this room's got junk in their life. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But I tell you what is really amazing is also everybody has in this room. How are we going to use those words? Speaking positive words, encouraging words, challenging words. It's going to improve people around us, speaking words of faith. How many were just about ready to throw in the towel and somebody came alongside and said, man, I believe in you. And you never knew that they were even watching. I believe in you. Speaking words of faith, speaking words of hope, speaking words of forgiveness, speaking words of praise, it's going to lift the hearer out of whatever situation they're in. When you speak encouraging words, here's what we do. We inspire hope. We instill trust. We restore self-esteem. I think one of the things that the devil works on in the people of God the most is our self-esteem. Here's why I believe that. Because somebody that's really going through some uh, self-esteem issues, they're, they're not going to accomplish things for them. God, if they feel like a failure, why do you think hell is always fishing in the sea of forgetfulness? I wish we'd stop looking in our rearview mirrors. I wish we'd stop looking behind. You know, Paul had some issues in his past. Paul was prejudiced, Paul killed Christians, he didn't have a good resume. That's why he said, I'm going to forget those things, which are, if God forgot them, why shouldn't we? Mm. When we speak encouraging words, we restore self-esteem. What would the kingdom of God be like if people were edifying one to another? We walked out of a fellowship meeting, we walked out of a gathering feeling better about ourselves than when we came in. We would give hell a headache. I'm telling you, we would. We would create some havoc in the kingdom of darkness. Amen. We we, we create goodwill. We challenge. We inspire. We give direction. We can heal brokenness. The power of life or death is in the tongue. We can persuade. We can relieve pressure. We can change a life. We can give counsel and direction. Ephesians 4 another translation don't let any evil talk come out of your mouth. Say only what will help to build others up and meet their needs. Jesus help me So we've been praying these are these are five things we've been praying every day and I, I kind of get stuck on this one because it, I probably need the most help in this area. Lord let my tongue be a blessing. God. Let edification be at my core. Let it be, oh God, what's in me. Let me see others as you see them, God, so I can edify, so I can lift, so I can be a gift to the body. A gift to the body. You know what? There's enough brokenness and there's enough pain and there's enough wounded people out there. They don't need to get that from a brother or a sister. But if we can serve fruit instead of poison...
1: Oh, God, oh, God.
0: God, help me to have blessing in my tongue. The other two, I'll I'll get to some other time, but uh, I I want us to stand together. I want us to pray. God, let let me be a lifter, Lord. Let edification be in me, God. Put a watchman... At my lips, oh God, help me to see a brother or sister as you see them, oh God. Oh Lord, don't let me serve poison, God, but let me serve fruit, God. Let life be in my words, oh Lord. Let encouragement, God, be in my words. When I speak with somebody, God, let them leave edified. Let the Holy Ghost speak through me, O oh God. Let me see, O oh God, how You see. Let me have compassion that You have, God. Let me see as You see, O oh Lord. Forgive me, O Lord, for every word that I've ever spoken that's hurt somebody, God. Forgive me for every word, O God, that's ever wounded somebody, God. Remove it, O Lord, from me. Let it be, O God, not in me, but let there be edification. O God, let my mouth be a blessing to somebody, Lord. Let, O God, every word that I speak, let it edify, let it heal The body, I pray today. Man, let's just talk to God for a little bit. Oh God, let us edify the body. Let, oh Lord, there be a common bond of edification in our spirit, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, minister to these men today, God. Minister to these men today, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah.